You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. Before I get into today's text, I want to just kind of ask a question. Um, how many of you guys like things to be very black and white? How many of you guys like rules, like rules and clear expectations? So you guys are like, I like black and white, I don't like rules. I don't know, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So black and white, sometimes we like rules, sometimes we don't like rules. I'm a kind of person who I like to know what's expected of me. I like clear rules. I don't like loopholes. Um, but I've been playing board games with, with Will and with Ben and Bob, who reluctantly does it half the time. Well, he's downstairs teaching kids, so I can say whatever I want. But anyway, well, we play board games. I really enjoy it. But every once in a while, we'll play a game, and there's kind of like this, we'll get to a situation where we're like, we don't really know what the rules say. And Ben, if you've ever played games with Ben, Ben is the ultimate challenger of like, um, let's check the rule book, people. Like, here we go, 15 minutes of Ben looking through the rule book. I was right. <laughs> or it doesn't say, so whatever. But like, when we get to this, it doesn't say, there all of a sudden is like this awkward tension, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Where like nobody clearly knows what is expected of them or what the rules really are so you're like oh you're getting away with something and you feel like this rage inside of you like how dare you make that move ben even though the rules don't say you can't we kind of like our people like you guys tracking with me you guys understand what? it's not just me who feels this way we like rules even though we don't like to feel like we're underneath rules we like our freedom but we also like people to have defined goals clear expectations and do what we want them to do right and in some ways, we get to this passage in 1 Corinthians, and Paul basically says, I'm not giving you any rules. I'll give you some wisdom, but I'm not giving you any rules. And everybody's like in freak-out mode. Like, I don't think I can handle this. You're giving me like the maybes? The Bible? I thought the Bible was a book of rules, and now you're giving me some maybes. I don't know what to do. You guys tracking? I see a lot of blank stares. The Bible does give wisdom, not always black and whites. Okay? We'll get into that here this morning. So let's, let's read our text. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We've just come out of this discussion on marriage and on what does it mean to be sexually, like, pure. Remember the other week I pro- preached a really awkward message where everybody hid underneath the pews when I told you if you're married, it's good to have sex, and everybody hid, and then half our church is gone today. I'm kidding. That's not why. Um... So we talked about principles for marriage and what God designs for a marriage. But we talked about living in the place that you were called to live, not living under social expectations, but under what God has put you in. So if you come from a background of, like, like me, I came from a very poor background. I came from an uneducated background, and I shouldn't try to do something now. Because if I do something better now, I'll erase my past, and somehow I'll be a better person, and my past, will, God will forget the like, you guys know what I'm talking about? So we talked about living where you're called. So if you live in the ghetto, if you live uh, married, if you live single, if you live in a mansion, if you live in another country, if you live educated or uneducated, use the spot that God called you as your mission field, okay? So that's where we just come out of, this living as you were called, fleeing some sexual immorality, understanding what marriage is supposed to look like, and then we get to this text here today, and we'll read this together. Uh, If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, the one in the pew in front of you is yours to keep. We also have it here on the screen. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. 
Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if, you, if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you of that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they are not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as if they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Let's stop there. What is happening? So everything's ending. And live as, if you have a wife, live as if you don't have one. Okay, it's not saying go run around and do your own thing. That's not what this is about at all. See, Paul is saying, let's look at some issues that aren't quite clear because our situation is a strange one that we're in. He says, I'm going to give you some wisdom, not a list of do's and don'ts here. First, in view of present distress is what he says. In view of present distress. And then he ends that little section there, this present world is passing away. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding of what that actually meant. There's a lot of confusion. So is he saying, you know, everything's going to blow up and basically live as if nothing mattered? Like, you know, vanity of all vanities, who cares? We're all going to die. Here comes, you know, left behind. We're getting hit with an asteroid. Forget it all. Don't even work a job. That's not what he's saying here. History shows us that at that time, when Paul is writing this letter to the church, all of the Greek world was going through a severe famine. Like, there was no grain. If you have no grain, you don't have food. And if you don't have food, it's hard to take care of a family. Paul says, we are going through something right now. This present time, we are under this strange present distress. And maybe it won't make sense for you to marry somebody and take care of them. Maybe you can't feed yourself right now. Don't let social pressures right now tell you you have to marry to be somehow better spiritually. Make, track in here? He, some, some think that this tone is because Paul also thinks that the Lord is coming back at any minute. So marriages won't matter because the new kingdom is coming. So that's why like, everything's passing away. Some people, some historians think that Paul is saying, hey, Jesus is coming back. Let's forget about marriage. Let's just pursue Jesus. And honestly, I think both of those things are absolutely correct. I think Paul lived with his expectation that Christ was returning soon, whatever that looked like. And also, the world was in famine. So he's telling them, I don't have a clear set of answers for you. I do have some wisdom because, and he says that, he's like, it's the Lord's mercy. This is trustworthy. I feel like God's given me the ability to give you good wisdom, but I'm not giving you a set of laws. And so because of Christ will return here soon, there's this urgency, and also because of this famine in the land, it's okay if you don't get married right now. If you're engaged, you don't have to get married tomorrow. You don't have to. It's okay. See, I think that every disciple, including today, we should all live with a sense of urgency about the gospel. We should all live with this sense of urgency to advance the kingdom and reach the lost because the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour that the Son of Man will return. We do not know when Christ will return. And so I think it's an absolutely valid point to say that Paul thought that Christ was coming back. Guess what? So did all the disciples. So is every believer because God has put inside of this this expectation for the coming kingdom that one day he will fulfill. 
One day he will come back. So am I going to tell you that I will see Christ's return in my lifetime? I don't know. I grew up in these like Pentecostal circles that there was this old lady who was like 95 and she's saying to me, you know what? The Lord said he'll be back by the next year. Before I die, I'm like, God, give her a long life because I got things I want to do. Like, I want to get married. I want to have a family. Like, I'm all for your kingdom, but let her live to be 175 because she's old now. And she just said, like, I was scared, right? But I do think we should all live with this expectation that I don't know how long we have. And so because I don't know how long I have, I should always be on mission with the gospel. We should always be propelling. I'm, like, there, there are days, literally, there are days where I say, come, Lord Jesus, come, because this earth is a mess. And then there's other days where I see the mess of the earth, and I say, Jesus, hold back. Wait a little longer. Let a few more come into your kingdom. And I think both of those ways of seeing things is absolutely true. But we cannot look at this and say, it's all about me. So, Jesus, I got saved. My life is a mess. Just get me on out of here. Because that is me, not kingdom. And Paul is telling them, look, we don't know what's happening. There's no food. We, Jesus is coming. Don't live, don't get married just because your mom and your dad said get married or just because you were already engaged. Get married because you feel like you have to get married. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Because God has put a desire to marry her in your heart or the other way around. He says if you get married and you're engaged, you're not sinning. If you choose to not get married, you're not sinning, right? We'll talk a little bit more about that. Scripture says... It is good that a man finds a wife. And it also says, blessed is a man whose quiver is full of kids. Not everybody has that same calling and destiny. So both of those things can be absolutely true. That you can be married and in the will of God, and you can be single and in the will of God. I grew up thinking that if I could not be a pastor unless I had a wife. There is the expectations for pastors. You can't be a minister unless you have a wife, because then you might fall into sin. Okay? I'm human, so I might fall into sin, right? Nobody agrees with that at all. I, 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 did he just say he might fall into sin? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> See, some, some of us who want to get married, I mean, there's singles in here, and there's also married couples in here. What Paul's saying, you should feel free to postpone current, because of current situations that cause anxiety unless there's a strong desire to get married. Like, there's not these always black and white situations. In the Christian life, sometimes God's calling or even unexpected situations, such as famine or, or abuse or persecution, things like that will keep us from the social or even personal goals that we've placed on ourselves. What I mean is sometimes we put high expectations on ourselves that God's not calling us to. And maybe our current situation does not allow us to fulfill those things that we've put on ourselves. And it's not sin to not do those. You guys tracking with me? I know that was a lot of knots and what ifs. Paul's saying you have an ability to make a decision here. You have a freedom to make a decision. Verse 29 through 31. It's a strange thing there. It says, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown short, and from now on, let those who have wives live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they are not mourning. Those who rejoice as if they were not rejoicing. That's a strange thing to say, right? Because then you're like, what am I supposed to do? If it's all black and white, and he's telling me an answer, okay, those who rejoice don't rejoice. Those who mourn don't mourn. So I'm supposed to be stoic. I'm supposed to have no emotions at all. That's not what he's saying here. 
He's saying we don't need to become reactionary people to situations like the world is. Like somebody outside of Christ is very reactionary to social pressures, to situational in, like things that are happening in the world. We don't have to live that way. We don't have to freak out when all of a sudden a famine happens. And we don't have to freak out because mom and dad say that we need to get married. We don't have to freak out because we're engaged or because we feel like we need a degree or because we need to feel like we need to have an education. We, like we don't need to freak out over the things that the world puts on us. We just listen to what the voice of God is telling us, what Scripture tells us is right and true, right? This could be, an example of this, this could be the couple that wants to wait through college to get married. This could be there's a loss in the family, and so your whole financial situation and your whole way of living is a mess, so it's good to wait. This could be financial change. This could even be the student that just wants to take a break from college. I've told you my story before. I felt God clearly say, your heart's in the wrong place, drop out of college at the end of the semester. I had one year left. And every person that I knew who was a mentor, other than my mom and dad, said, what are you doing? That's a stupid decision. Because society tells us, if you drop out of school, you'll never go back. If If you take a semester off, you'll never get your degree. And without a degree, you can't do anything in life. And I'm all for education, believe me. But that is not a God-ordained mandate on you. It's not. If God wants to put you in a position in a Fortune 500 company as a CEO without an education, guess what? He'll put you there. I'm not anti-education. I'm pro-following the voice of God. So if he says take a break or if he says wait for your personal goals, for his personal goals, then you better wait and follow his goals. Make sense? Postpone, but keep your passions pure, though. Let's, when we see this about marriage, let, let, let's actually read the next section here. Verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries to his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if the husband dies, she is free to marry, to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I, too, have the Spirit of God. Let me explain. He basically says this. He's like, you're free to make a decision led by the Lord, not by society, not even by personal goals, but by the Spirit of God. If your passions are strong, if you're a man or a woman who realizes, I need marriage, I cannot wait three years, I cannot wait six years, keeping myself pure, keeping myself away from sexual activity. If my passions are strong, you do well to get married. It's not a sin. 
It's not lesser than. There's not a scale here. Sometimes we read this text and we're thinking, it's even better. He says it's even better. It really doesn't mean on a scale of spirituality it's even better. It's basically saying, you're free. You can do what you want. Realize, though, if you make a decision, whatever side of the coin you, you choose to pick, whatever, way, whatever road you go, realize that there's something that naturally comes with that. And his, his wisdom to us is do what God's calling you to do, and I hope that you're free from anxiety and worry. When his kingdom comes, guess what? There is only his expectations that will matter. Not your expectations for yourself, not your families, not societies. It's only his expectations that will matter. He is not saying that weak people get married. That goes against the normative design for mankind. He is saying, look, be free from anxiety. You should be able to learn and to think on some of these issues for your own. Think through faith, not through religion or social norms. How often do we approach a life and just think through faith rather than through somebody else's filter, through somebody else's expectation? I know I'm talking to somebody here today. That you're looking at a current situation and you're trying to bring in the pros and cons list. Guess what? Pros and cons lists are stupid. <laughs> just being real. So you guys are evaluating life. It's important to realize this is the pros, this is the cons, but I'm not led by that. I've talked about my decision to come here before, to move here. I could make a longer list of cons than I could pros to moving, uprooting my family and coming and planning a church. But guess what? God's spirit was in it. And I can give you a hundred different cases in my life where the cons were outweighing the pros, and I had to, by faith, say, this, I will risk that. I will take those cons because I'll be much happier, and I won't have anxiety because I trust in the Lord. That's how we evaluate things. He says, if you're going to get married, know what comes with marriage. Know the work that comes with marriage. Understand what you're getting into. And you do well to get married. But if you remain single, know what comes with that as well. You're free to pursue God by yourself. Do whatever you want. Know that there's less worries, but this is what comes with it. If you're going to get married, this is what comes with it. Good and bad. Right? Nobody's agreeing. You're afraid your wife's going to punch you if you say yes. Be led by the Spirit. This week, I was meeting with another pastor. We got lunch together. And he's like, can I ask you a question? He's like, I get a lot of non-answers out of this. I said, sure. He's like, as a pastor, he's like, you know, with, with what you get paid from the church with your, your, your living, he's like, do you tithe, or should I tithe? He was asking for himself. Should I tithe my housing expenses? And I said to him, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I don't do any of this stuff. Like, we literally just, like, the board says this is what Jesse gets paid to be the pastor, and then we have a lawyer look at it and make sure everything's legal and right, and I'm paying the right thing to the government. Make sense? Like, that's, I'm dumb when it comes to money. Like, I just trust you. I said, I don't even know what you mean by housing expenses. <laughs> I said, and so he's like, well, this is what it means, and this is what it looks like to the government. I said, look, so what, where's a verse that says about housing expenses in the Bible? I said, do you feel like you should tithe off of the housing expenses? Yeah. Okay, okay, then do that. That's what you should do. I'm not giving you an answer. I said, the same way my wife and I, I said, what do we preach? I said, this is what we preach at City Lights Church every week about tithing. We give sacrificially, we give regularly, we give cheerfully. I won't tell, tell you this percentage is the approved percentage. I will tell you the widow's one coin that was all she had looked a lot better than that Pharisee's big old pile of money, Right? It's all about heart. It's all about obedience. And when it comes to tithing, we preach the same thing. Are you being spirit-led or are you being disobedient? 
That's the question I have to ask myself about every situation in life unless Scripture gives me a black and white. There are a lot of areas in your life that you will reach and say, I don't know what to do. Two things. Ask somebody who you consider spiritual wise. That's what the church did. They went to Paul and Paul says, I think I have some wisdom here. Let me share. Pray. What is God telling you? What is God saying? What is the Spirit convicting you of? So does that make sense? Is that a good example? Tithing, I think, should be a good example. We go by the Spirit, by the Spirit, not the Spirit. I don't know what that is. We go by the Spirit. We're Spirit-led people. We should also know our weaknesses. That's why he tells these couples, like, look, if you can't control your passions, then go ahead, get married. You're doing good. Know your weaknesses. So many of us go into something having no clue what our weaknesses are. Like, yeah, I can do, you know, 21 credits in college, work two different jobs, and raise a family. I'm Superman. And you get in, your family hates you, you failed all your classes, and you're not showing up to work on time, right? Know your personal weaknesses. Know what your expectations are. If you're going to get married, know that you're fighting a fight. Know that you're running into something here. You've got to count the cost. Jesus tells his disciples to count the cost. Take up your cross. Follow me. We should know that if you're going to be a Christian, it means sacrificing ourselves, sacrificing society, and listening to the voice of God. Listening to what he's saying. If you get married, count the cost. There's a great quote by a wonderful um, philosopher named Clint Eastwood. It says, they say marriages are made in heaven, but so is thunder and lightning. We have to be people to realize marriages are awesome, but they take work, they take sacrifice. Are you willing to count the cost? Single, to be single. I don't feel like I'm supposed to get married. I feel like I'm supposed to be single. Okay, realize what that's going to entail as well. There's times when you're just by yourself. There's going to be moments of isolation and loneliness. There's going to be moments where you're not sacrificing anybody. You have to know what is the cost that God has called me to step into. Count the cost. Let me give you a story. I, I have a friend so, before I give you the story, when we count the cost, Paul, what's Paul's main point here? Being spirit-led, the time is urgent, live for the mission of God. And the reason Paul loves being single at this moment is because he doesn't have to worry about anything other than proclaiming Jesus everywhere he goes. And he's stoked about it. We have to be people who realize we're constantly on mission for God, but we also have these other things in our lives. So what does that look like? What does that balance look like? Counting the cost. You have to know your heart, live for his kingdom in every endeavor. Will, where did he get to? Will. Will can never marry a stay-at-home mom who wants Will to sit beside him and rock the baby every night. He is called to the nations. If he's in Uganda and she wants him home, that's not going to work out too well. Will and I have talked about this. I know he's okay with me sharing this. Like there's a specific type of mandate on Will's life that takes precedent over other things. And sometimes Will has to make sacrifices because he knows what God's called him to. It's the same thing for every one of us in this room. We have to say, God, what are you calling me to? Is it a life of being single and on a mission or being married and on a mission? Can I be on mission with this person? That's why when I sat down and started dating Ashley, she did not dream at all of a life of ministry. She was not thinking that. But our first date, I said, look, God could call me to any city at any time. And I'm going to be a pastor. That's the call God's put in my life. You're going to be a pastor's wife. Are you ready for it? And she's like, yeah, 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 you know. And then we move here, and she's like, oh, I wasn't ready for this. I'm like, well, that's what God's called you to anyway. So, no, but she's like, there's, we were just talking last night. Because our, our first year here, we've said this before, our first year here was awful. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. We hated life, basically. And we're like, God, why did you call us here? 
we were talking last night and we said we could never even see ourselves back where we were because she wouldn't have flourished in her giftings i would have never came alive in my giftings right we got to be willing to count the cost run with it and realize it's going to hurt some of it there's going to be pain but there's ultimately an obedience to him not an obedience to a written law here N.T. Wright says it like this in, in his, one of his books. There are many today, there are many who have ignored this wise advice and have rushed ahead into marriage and into a new sphere of Christian work or service, assuming that because God has brought them together, the complex business of, wor- of learning to work for the gospel and the complex business of learning to live as a couple will somehow fall into place. We can't assume that all of a sudden God's going to put two different callings and make them one. Can, absolutely. But we cannot, we have to count the cost, be willing to make sacrifices somewhere. There's, he also says this later on. He says, there's no point of praying for safety on the road while continuing to drive dangerously. Basically, if you're speeding and you're asking God to help you, you're stupid. <laughs> like, slow it down, boss. Slow it down. <sighs> anyway, there, just yesterday, I mean, I, the speeding thing really drives me nuts now. I, I, get, I get amped up. I, I just saw a guy the other day that I wish I was in a cop car. I'm like, man, I would take him down right now. I would take him down. He's stupid. Anyway, verse 40. I'm wrapping up here. Kenny, so if, if you can come forward. Worship team. He ends this section here. I know this is a different section than, than the rest of the book. Yet in my judgment, he's talking about the widow. He gives us two verses about a widow. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too had the Spirit of God. So he, he gives us wi- this wisdom for widows, right? This last second thing. Basically he's saying, if you're a widow, you get to decide now. You were married before, now you're not. You get to decide what you want to do. Do you want to just live for, on, on mission for Christ? Or do you want to be married? If you're going to get married, marry somebody who's a Christian. That's what he says. I tell that to single people. If you're going to get married, get married to somebody who's a believer. It's... The whole biblical concept of unequally yoked makes sense. You will cause many issues if you try to marry an unbeliever in your life. Wisdom is marry a believer. So this is my wisdom, though. This is just what I'm, I'm giving you. Either pick the kingdom, either a Christian man, or pick your solo endeavors for the kingdom. Either way, pick the kingdom. That's what I'm telling you here at City Lights this morning to do. Pick the kingdom of God, whatever that is. Spirit-led advice. He's, he ends that with, I think that I have the Spirit of God. Basically what that means is, as a pastor, hopefully you trust me with, with advice sometimes in your life. Guess what? I'm not always going to give you a, a clear-cut answer. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I will give you what I feel like the Spirit's leading me to tell you. And it's also okay if you kind of don't agree. <laughs> it's okay if you're like, you know what? The Spirit's saying something else, but I understand your wisdom. We should be people who seek wisdom, recognize wisdom, recognize when things aren't black and white, right? Make sense? Okay. Proverbs, we preached this at the beginning of the year. I felt like God said this at the beginning of the year. The word for City Lights Church is to seek wisdom, speak, seek fathering, seek people to pour wisdom into you. The, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We need to pursue Him. All our desires, all of our hearts should be, God, am I, am I doing your kingdom? Because then, then you'll give me wisdom. 
I love one of my favorite verses in scriptures, James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, anybody, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. If you need wisdom, if you don't know what to do, I know some of you guys aren't thinking about marriage. Some of you are. Some of you guys are trying to, uh, most of you who are think, thinking about marriage, you're already convinced that it's a good thing to get married. I don't need to preach about it for you to know you want to get married. You already know. But what I do want to encourage everyone in this room with is the decisions that we make, are we being led by the Spirit or are we being led by social and personal expectations? You might have dreams in your heart. You might have personal goals for yourself that are absolutely fine and good. But if God's saying right now is not the season for that dream, right now is not the time to pursue that dream, then you need to ask God, what am I pursuing in this time? What are you calling me to right now? Make sense? Whatever situation you are in now, whatever step God's calling you to take tomorrow, that is a good thing and enjoy it. I said this a few weeks ago. I was in worship at another church about a couple months ago, and I felt God clearly, the, the, the word from the worship leader was, we have a good father who withholds no good thing. That hit me like a huge weight. God is not withholding any good thing from you. So if you're single, it's good. If you're married, it's good. If you're a missionary to Cambodia, it's good. If you're a missionary to the homeless guy down the street, if you're a missionary to your work, if you're a missionary to your boss, if you're a missionary to your kids, it's good. Be obedient to what God has put you in, in the situation you're in. Amen? Amen.